Welcome to Comparison is the Thief of Joy, a live call-in podcast that occurs every other Sunday at 6 p.m. where we talk about life and my journey through it. And while I do the podcast, I like to paint. So each podcast will have a corresponding artwork that'll go to it. Feel free to call in by downloading the Podbean app, grabbing your cell phone, and a set of headphones. It's open topic, never feel any pressure. Comparison as a Thief of Joy is available on all major streaming platforms, and my artwork can be found on my Instagram, Comparison is the Thief, or DonnieSun82.MyPartfolio.com for purchase. Enjoy. Ray, are you ready? Hey, what's going on? Did that work? I think it did. What's can you hear me on? yet? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, man. <laughs> hey, I can hear you, yes. Man. Perfect. What happened? What was Not too much, man. <laughs> I had to call in. Like, I was in, and I could hear you guys, but I had to press the phone icon down at the bottom uh, to actually ring. Technology. So that's what I did. <laughs> So for all my listeners, if y'all don't know, this is Matt uh, Avant. He was the director of a movie called Lunopolis that me and my brother discovered on a hangover day. We were just sitting there, <laughs> we rolled over, and we just like put this movie, and it was badass. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. And so uh, oh, one of my other podcasts, no, it is. I tell everybody that all the time, like in my top five time travel movies. Um, and then on this my old podcast, Cold Forty Five, we went to go interview him. And hey, Matt, you can introduce yourself if I haven't, if I left anything out, anything. New oh, that was a pretty good intro. I, I'm, All right. I'm happy about that. No, that was cool. That was a, that was a good time. I was just telling my uh, my girlfriend about that. You know, I was telling her I was going to do the podcast, like I told her about that story about me hearing you guys do the review for the novelist, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was great. You know, so I was like, I sent you guys a message. I think. I said thanks. You guys not do that one anymore? Cult 45? No, he still does it. I left the group. I just left with all the Oh, movies. okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot's happened since the last time we talked. Have you shot any more movies? Uh, not any movies, no. We, I work okay. now. We make these various old TV shows, travel shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I've been doing the last like three or four years. I've been doing this show with Debbie Dunning, who used to be, she played... Um, uh, Heidi, the tool girl on the old show yeah. Home Improvement. Okay. And so she now does this travel thing where they go around the guest ranches. They're like these big dude ranches, basically, all over the country. And so yeah. we've actually, I kind of looked at it's like it's been a really amazing thing that we've done, but uh, just traveling, going all over to these wonderful places, and just shooting this little travel series with her about that. So I've been kind of that's pretty cool. How did you that for a while. How'd you even fall yeah. into that? I fell into it, man. I was I was tired of being in Louisiana, and uh, you know, I passed my tours, and I was just like, I didn't know what to do, and so I started sending out applications for other TV stations. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working at a TV station, which is basically what I'm really doing. And so I was supplying other TV stations, and there's this network here in Nashville called RFD TV. It's like an ag-based agriculture. It's all part of news, agricultural news, that kind of stuff. But they do some original shows, and so they were hiring and they were like, yeah, if you want to move to Nashville, you come work here. So I loaded up what I could fit in my car and drove to Nashville and just lived off of a, a borrowing a, somebody else's room for a couple of months when I first got here and just started doing that. And it just turned out to be 
a lot of fun. There's some shitty stuff we have to do also. Typical, you know, like live event productions and things are as fun. But that we just kind of fell into. The owners Man, that's pretty cool. With her. And just, they were like, yeah, fine, go do this show. And so we just hit the road. We're on the road most days out of the year, actually. 200-something days out of the year, we're on the road. Is that cool so or does it get old? It gets old, definitely. Yeah. It's cool. It's super cool. And it was great for like three years. We're not doing it anymore. We just finished basically like the beginning of this year. None of, nobody did anything once COVID hit. It. I mean, it was sort of like everybody was grounded. But, um, but those three, three years leading up to that, we did that. And it was very, very, very fun. But it was exhausting. And so we were, we were kind of happy to not travel for a while, honestly, this year. I always wonder how like really super mega stars do it for their whole life. That's got to wear you down. Oh, I bet. Especially people, especially musicians and people that have to like perform every night. Every night. That's got to just playing the same, especially if you're a one hit wonder and you only got that (laughs) one song and everybody everybody knows you're going to play it and you know you got to play it and you just sit there. Yeah, you better play it. Damn, it's Ice Ice Baby time again. (laughs) They don't want to hear my new shit. That would suck hard because you know every event they'll call you just to do that one song. I've always thought just being famous would suck pretty bad. You think so? You can't go anywhere without people knowing you. Like, I like to go to, you know, if I'm going to Walmart yeah. or something to go grab some things, I don't want 10 people to know who I am. You know, it's like, That's you true. lose that anonymity. I've always appreciated And know, I think it's worse if you're a one-hit wonder. Because if you're a one-hit wonder, like, you know what it's like to be on top for a very short, brief period of time. Right. And then you're back to being a nobody and everybody's always questioning you on why you're not doing shit with your life. Well, do you remember the, uh, and I don't mean to take over your conversation, I'm sorry, I was going to say, do you remember no, the no, yodeling kid? The, uh, there was a video, like a viral video of this kid yodeling in Walmart like a year or two ago. I think I remember it. It, it just kind of blew up where everybody was like, oh, this little yodeling kid. Well, that was one of those classic examples. The kid was famous on YouTube for a day or two or whatever, a couple weeks. And then he got signed to a record label because I'm in Nashville. We, our office is right on Music Row, so we pass a lot of these studios that have big banners and billboards. And I remember they had a big banner that was like, "Welcome, you know, Mason Ramsey, I think was his name. You know, the yeah. only kid we've signed him to a record deal." And it was like a record deal for this YouTube kid. And then sure enough, you never heard from him ever again. You know, like I don't know that he put out an album or anything. But, you know, one week of fame, all of a sudden he gets a record deal and you never hear another word about. Him. Well, that's the same thing that happened with that that one chick, Bad Barbie, that was on um, Doctor oh, Phil's yeah. show, and that she got huge I think though. She has a deal though, doesn't she? she no, she got big. Almost. She actually got big. It, but that's disappointing. <laughs> that's that's sad for everybody. But let me that's let so everybody. Sad. Oh well, I'll get your opinion first. So the topic of today we were talking about is bad friends, bad yes. friends, and toxic relationships. And the last thing I think we touched on, shit, I don't remember because that was a whole. 15 minutes ago, but I was just basically <laughs> saying that toxic friends, as you get older, they're really easy to spot. They're sure. really easy to spot, and it's you're much less willing to tolerate their presence because you realize that it is a time suck. It's a horrible time suck. So what's your opinion on toxic friends? Um, how did you ever get rid of yours? Well, uh, you know, honestly, age is yeah. definitely a factor. Also, you know, moving, relocating. Um, you know, help, as I say help, but kind of separated me from some of my toxic friends back in Louisiana. Really? But, um, Did you have a bunch? I, I had a few, you know, I had yeah. a few. I mean, you were, you were at my 
Yeah. And I had some people, you know, just friends of mine that were just sort of drunks and, you know, didn't really do much. And all they really wanted to do was just, you know, get high, drink all the time, play cards. And I did that for a while where, you know, we, we hung out, but it was sort of like, you know, they always needed money and they always needed something. And yep. A place to stay. Yep. <laughs> like, I always have to get rid of them every night. Like, yeah, two a.m. and you gotta go, you know. And so I got a little old. I loved them because they were good people, but they just yeah. they were very uh, they were toxic, you know. And so yeah. it was hard to to get away from that. And then moving here kind of just helped cut that cord because now we can just talk mm-hmm. on Facebook and things like that. And I don't have to kick them out of my house in the middle of the night, you know. Well, you know, that was a thing that I noticed, and it was a not a tough lesson, but it's a lesson that I even had to learn with myself, and then I'll open it back up for everybody else was that so many people that are that seem to have a very toxic life as if something's always going on and I keep saying this over and over for everybody to hear these people create their own storms when you're young you don't see it you just think that it's somebody that needs help until you start to realize that every couple of weeks something new is going on in this person's life some car broke down some bill didn't get paid some some crazy fight with a crazy family member. For people who have people like this in your life, just it's better just to leave them alone and let them figure out their own problems because all they'll do is continually drag you down into their muck with them. Um, Often a family member, like you just said. It's not always friends. Sometimes they yeah. are your family. Yeah. And it makes yeah. it harder because you can't really cut them out completely, but you have to sort of learn to, how to deal with them. So, you know, I've been doing this. I've been uh, intermittent fasting a lot. I'll open it back up to these guys. And what I've learned about me intermittent fasting is I learned two things. One is I control what goes in my mouth and I control what goes out of it as well. And so it made me realize that I have a lot more control over my current, over my situations than I think I do. uh, T, I think you're still playing in the mutant. I mean, you're double back in the background. Anyway, I have more control over situations than I thought I did. And so I realized that even if I have toxic family members, you can remove, you can limit your, the amount of time that you're around them. Same with any toxic coworkers. You don't have to continually be around them. You can limit your interactions to yes or no, whatever it does to limit that energy. And you can always tell when it's somebody toxic around you because after you leave their presence, you feel drained. Generally, mm-hmm. you don't have any juice left. Sometimes, depending on how the person is, you'll even feel like you just went through like this mental sparring match, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the? What was the point of that? Like, were we one up in each other, or does he try?" And the fact that, and I always say, you know, things aren't that confusing. We make them confusing because of who people are, but you know, an interaction is weird, and when somebody's not being a genuine person to you. It's just yeah. difficult sometimes because it depends on who that person is. And the, the thing about it is, is that no matter what happens, those those toxic, that toxic group will do whatever they can to get you on their level. Um, no matter what, they will they will pull you down. I, you know, I, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. It's. They'll, they'll try to get you to hang out with them. They'll, you know, try to get you to do whatever it takes to make sure that you have the same wavelength as them. So mm-hmm. avoid, I mean, of course, in, 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 in our in our age, it's a lot easier to spot them out. But 
in my 20s, I didn't recognize this. And every time I look back and I realize, I realize some of those really fucked up situations, I've even told you about a couple of them, man. Um, like, you know, the, the, the bourbon, the, the, the great bourbon street night to where I, I really messed it. was probably one of the most messed up nights I've ever had in my life. And sometimes you just wake up the next morning. And you're like, how the hell did I get into that situation? It's mm-hmm. because it just, you know, you get pulled in and once you're in, you'll sit there and you'll be like, you'll, you'll, you'll sit there. And at the very beginning, you'll be like, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And that voice in your head that says, I don't belong here, it, it, it shrinks slowly but surely. And next thing you know, it's like, bam, you're right there with them. And you're, you're all, you're, 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 you're basically one of them. And it's, you know, I mean, it sucks, you know what I mean? But now, you know, it's like whenever you, you know, whenever you started fasting and um, you know, I, you know, I've, I've done some intermittent fasting as well. Mm-hmm. Once you separate yourself from the, the, from that environment, um, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've told you, you know, I've, I haven't drank in a while. Um, if if I were to if I were to try to start drinking right now, my body would would reject it a lot faster than it did, say, ten or fifteen years ago. Because back then, I drank almost every day. I don't, I've seldom drink now my body will just my, 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 i mean even if i get to the point to where i'm enjoying myself and having a good time like the last time i drank my, uh the next day i felt so bad i didn't even want to drink again and i haven't drank since it's been ever since um what uh, it was ever since new year's you know what i mean and, and then the you know the same thing can be applied to hanging out with those toxic people once you once you once you get once you try to hang out with them it's it's like your body and your pretty much your your everything that you are is basically just gonna reject the fact that you're there because you mm-hmm. don't belong there anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I definitely somebody somebody trying to get in. I definitely um, agree with you. But I think what's Tristan, you still back there? I think what's most interesting about um, the fact that I just lost my train of thought is pretty interesting. Because I'm out here just looking out in the distance, like literally not thinking of looking out in the distance. Oh, wait, I can still be not interested, I can say. But you know what? You know, I've really been doing really well with that. Off topic, on topic. I know Queen B wants me to stay on topic. But being able to clear my mind has been really... I talked to you about this, Matt, about uh, this whole dopamine reset, like unplugging myself from a lot of stuff. I've given my brain an opportunity to just chill for a little bit. Like yeah. it's not always racing all the time. Right, like right. I, I can actually sit down and like not think about anything, which is hard. I like that I connection of intermittent fasting, not just being a, a food intake thing, but a friendship intake. Like that's a good, that's it's a good everything. way to look at it. That's what it is. You can intermittently fast from every facet of your life to mm-hmm. improve it. Absolutely. Like, you know, to his point, he would, you know, like as far as friends that want to bring you to their level, there's that mm-hmm. old saying, you know, misery loves company. It and does. That was, exactly. you know, it's like exactly. that's one of those things where they, they, can't, they can't stand it. And the minute you're not as miserable as they are, it's almost like they're mad at you about it. And there are just people that exist that way. You know, they just, yeah. they're miserable. I think that's why people who are, who are you know, maybe severely addicted or alcoholics mm-hmm. or whatever, they'll end up in relationships together. 
Mm-hmm. They both kind of like it. So it's hard to end that relationship unless one person or the other gives up, you know, the, the addiction or whatever it is. And if the other person's not willing to do it, mm-hmm. they separate. That's probably responsible for tons of friendships and relationships ending. Fuck because you. one person just wants to get out of it. The other people don't. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought like saying, I'm glad you brought I'm sorry. Oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no I was going to say I'm, I'm glad you brought. I, I'm I'm glad you brought up um, substance abuse because it's you know it's not just you know toxic people. It's a, you know, you know I, I, I talked I, I, I talked to uh, D- uh, Donnie about this the other day uh, about how um, a lot of the reason I used to drink was because everybody around me drank. You know what I mean? At work, at school. Me smoke pot, all that other shit. You know what I'm saying? And now, one of the main reasons I don't drink anywhere near as much as I used to is because I don't really have that many people, if anyone, to drink with. Mm -hmm. I can count on my to my one hand now. Where back then, Mm -hmm. I had rolodexes of people to hang out with. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna lie to myself. I was a pothead too. You know what I mean? I had rolodexes of people Mm -hmm. that were available to do either one or the other to the point to where that was pretty much my whole life outside of work and school. You know what I mean? You want to hear something yeah. funny? That was, you want to hear something funny? I, I had to jump in because I'm going to forget again if I don't say. It's interesting that you can always find hordes of people to get to do bad shit with you, but it's hard to get people to do positive shit with you. Like you could, you if you said, hey, I got really a, a, a drink-a-thon going on in my house, you would have to start limiting the amount of people that came over. If you said, hey, I'm going to have a fucking push-up contest or go pick leaves for old people, you, you wouldn't get anybody. You that's wouldn't true. get nobody to show up at all, ever. But that's right, the same way with bad... But it's, the same way with, but it's the same way with bad friends. It's easy to get a whole bunch of those fuckers, and they don't mean shit, but to have right. some really, really good friends, that's like... You re- you think it's like a common thing, but it's actually a really really rare thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. Well, it's the difference really between the friends thing. that'll go party and drink with you versus the ones that would actually come and bail you out of jail or something, you know, yeah. or pick you up in another town because you got stuck or something like. Who, exactly. Who are the people that do that? You know, some of and the people I've had the my biggest fights people. with. No, but like, but they're the closest people. Exactly. You can fight and bicker, and, and you know it's like just because people don't get along all the time doesn't mean that relationship is toxic either. No, you know sometimes people who care about you will fight with you because you may be making bad decisions, or you're trying to help them make better decisions, and both right. of you can still appreciate that and stay friends, you know, because you both still see it and grow and whatever. You know? And you know that's the thing about it that's, um, and sometimes we'll hide information from our friends, especially our good ones that we know will oh. give us. Or tell us the right thing to do because we don't mm-hmm. want to hear, hear that we're on some bullshit. Yep. But mm-hmm. there's an opposite feeling to that is when you tell your friend bad news, and this is going to be really not difficult for me to explain, but it almost seems like they enjoy the fact that you're having bad news. Like you'll tell them mm-hmm. something and they'll laugh. Like it'll be a quick split second, and you're like, Wait, what the fuck? You just laughed? I'm like, no, no, no. And, but you'll see them. They'll have done it. They'll have laughed at your misery. Yeah. And they'll yeah. want you to tell everything about it. They'll want you to almost relive it to right. some degree. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really weird now that I'm thinking about it. You know, it sounds like some old sucky bitch shit, huh? To be honest with you, and I, 
you know, I hate to, you know, to, I, I hate to veer in this direction, but I kind of have a feeling that they do that to make to bump themselves up just a little bit more. So no, that that's they exactly can, what it is. Sure. Yeah. So that they can, so that they can feel as if they're above you in a sense. You know what I mean? Because, because yeah, you think right, yeah. you think you're, or you're not above them. Exactly. exactly. I think it's more of that. Yeah. There you go. Because, you, you know, it's always that bullshit. You ever heard that bullshit phrase when people talk about celebrities and they're always like, well, you don't know what they're really dealing with or they could not be that happy. I'm like, well, you sound like a hater. What if they are that happy? Did you ever think yeah. about that? But people right. want to people don't want to think people are as happy as they could be. And we all do it to some level. Like if you ever think about the time when you were having your worst breakup and then you saw a happy couple, you're like those motherfuckers over there are happy mm-hmm. as shit. You just get uh-huh. that bitterness inside you. And the yeah. thing about it is, and we even know it, people know it. When somebody comes to ask you about relationship advice and you're in a bad place mm-hmm. in a relationship, if you're a good friend, you will even tell them, hey, you shouldn't get advice from me right now because I'm not in a good place. <laughs> no, but yeah, I've wow. done that. I'm like, hey. That's true. Just, That's true. You do not want relationship advice from me because I'll tell you to break up with it right now. Well, right. think about all those toxic people you know who will subconsciously, they're not going to tell you that. They're just right. going to give you fucked up advice to get you right, right. where they're so at. Water. Yeah. Because what you just said is a perfect example of what it, of what your own self-awareness, you know, like that's oftentimes mm-hmm. what makes people toxic. They are not right. self-aware. They don't yeah. realize the impact they have or they don't realize the way they're being. And for mm-hmm. you to have enough awareness to say, you know what, I'm not in a good place right now. Ask me again in a week. Like mm-hmm. what, a, what a mature thing that is, you know, like that's something else that comes with age. The older you get, you know, you were talking about your Rolodex. Like when you're young, that's really all you want to do. You want to go out, you want to meet people and do stuff and get away from home or whatever. And then as you age, and then the more experience you have with people screwing you over or whatever, mm-hmm. like you start to sort of you see those red flags coming. And you'll meet yep. someone and, you'll, and they'll remind you of someone or some other situation that's happened before. And you're like, ah, nope, I'm aware mm-hmm. enough to know that you're not somebody I need to, you know, be friends with yep. or whatever. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is, there's one thing that I've learned. There's like four cardinal rules of friendship. I've said four because it's the first number I could think of. So it might be more, it might be less <laughs> of friendship. One is I do not lend people money anymore. I will yeah. give you the money. If you pay right. me back, just pay me back. But I'm not looking for it. But at the same time, I am keeping a mental ledger. Because if you come back mm-hmm. to me too many times, I'm not going to give you anything. So right. just know that. Uh, number two, don't ask me to help you move the day of that you want me to help you move because I'm not going to do it. You have to, at the bare minimum, give me one to two days. If you tell me on the day of, you be disappointed. Anything, and it's anybody, bro. Yes. My mom can't call me right now. Nobody, my grandma any- can't call me right now. I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> Lending money, moving... So uh, another running some kind of errand. I don't doing errands. I don't run people in my car anymore. No. And the last and biggest oh, one, no. you cannot fucking stay with me. All right? Right. right. If you do come and live with me, there's a couple of things you have to know. Number one, it will be no longer than one month. Period. Like right. you're out. You are yeah. out. Living and together you might has ruined many a friendship. It has <laughs> fucked up friendships. <laughs> do not let people live with you, people. You will not like your friend after that. They will eat and drink Bro, all your I've shit. Been, I might yes. be gonna lie. I've been on both sides of that person. Uh, it's that, that shitty. Spectrum. 
And I, you know, I've been the dude that has lived on the couch before, man. And to all of those that I've lived on the couch for, I apologize for, especially when I was younger, I apologize for everything that I've, for being a bum, for not washing the dishes, for, um, for, for, for everything, man. Like I, I gotta, I mean, I, y'all, if you can hear me, y'all know who y'all are. Um, if you can't, if you can't, um, I hope you hear this message. I'm a terrible roommate. Um, yeah, I got better later on in my life, but, um, uh, shit. I, but later on, like those you should early have years, roommates. No, no, you know, to be honest with you, I know that, I know that, but even, even still, and to all of those that stayed with me, I hate you, I hate your mama, I hate every single one of you, y'all are terrible, I never paid rent on time, um, a couple of you dished out because you just didn't want to man up and take care of your business, um, just, yeah, I hate you. I wish all the bad things happened to you. Blah blah blah. Uh, that's uh, so you know. You, but but you know what the last and biggest rule of friendship is? I've been burned on this too many times. It, it includes money. Fucking doing business with friends. Don't fucking yeah, do it. Just oh Lord. Don't yeah, do it. It's Lord. never. And it, it, I've it, dodged that thing. bullet too Even many in times. casual, even in casual, like I won't even let a friend mow my lawn anymore. Like even in casual, because something's gonna happen. You're going to miss right. it, or maybe I'm going to miss something, and it's not going to be good. Or maybe I want to do a crappy job. Yeah, any, it could be so many things. It's not fucking worth it. And don't well, bang people that I would at say, either. One that I would throw in is that, mm-hmm. um, and it's something you can't really always see ahead of time, but it's when you have friends who, I guess the best way you could describe it is that if you weren't trying to be their friend, they probably wouldn't be your friend. Mm, yep. You know, my, my girlfriend has a has a friend of hers who just, you know, she's like, she's always complaining, always bitching, always money. You know, like, she's a very negative person, you know, but get away from her girlfriend her. listens and cares mm-hmm. and really, you know, and tries to, to help console her and all that. But she's pointed out that there are times when she wants to complain to her and she ain't interested in hearing, it, you know, uh, and she'll get she sucking up all her energy. She just yeah, like yeah. Energy, man. She's, she's like, well, damn it, can't you listen to me complain once, you know, or whatever. And, and so that's something that kind of sucks when you're like, man, if I weren't willing to take all this person's, you know, baggage, would they you, take you know, all of mine? So, you know, an interesting uh, analogy to that is, you know, they say if you don't pay people, they'll steal something. And what they what employees generally steal is what time, because that's one thing or staples, you know, whatever. But it's, it's the same in the real world. The two things that matter most to people are time, money, attention, so on and so forth. So people will steal anything they can get from you. And even if yes. that's just yes. attention and time, they will take that shit. And you have yeah. to realize that those things are really important and you really can't get them back. And you don't have to waste it on bullshit people. And I know the person that you think is really cool and you want to hang out with them and they always are in the streets and having a great time, but they're shitty. They're not reliable. They give you fucked up advice. They probably mm-hmm. steal your boyfriend or girlfriend if they got a chance. They always shit on you when you go out. They always need yeah, money. Right. I mean, they're not. They're fun, but they're not shit. But you got another friend who's a little dorky, who's not as cool, who doesn't get as many girls, but he's down for he can You can call him at any time of the day. Day or and night, they'll help you out. and they'll come through. Yeah, that's an actual fucking friend. 
And right. when you're at your lowest, which one of them are going to be out? They're going to look out for you. When you're at your lowest, yeah. that person that was at the bar with you, you know, you, you know, you're chatting it up with all them girls and all that stuff. Like, what, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, uh, boring saves lives. It just does. <laughs> I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. Boring saves lives. Fun. It's cool. It's awesome. And, and and I'm not you know I'm not saying that there aren't those things that you can do that's fun like fitness or whatever that you know that that that, that can extend your lifespan. But when it comes to all those you know when it comes to you know drinking, going out, you know Vegas and uh, you right, know Cancun right. and all that crazy sh- all that crazy shit like that shit that shit's gonna kill you. You know what I mean? You know what? It's I gonna, think that's why it's, it's why it's so difficult. And by many men have been fallen by dating a party girl. Like you can't keep that energy up twenty four seven. You have to pull no. back a little bit and recoup and think and but parties. People that want to party all the time. But I, I say party girl. That can be party dudes too, just like you were saying, Matt. Of course. Like dudes that just want to drink and smoke all day. Like right. you'll get in their groove. And you ever notice that that like if you have a bunch of positive people around a bunch of negative people, it's a higher chance that the negative people will drown out the positive people. Generally, just through sheer numbers, because there's so sure. many of those motherfuckers, man. Right. And you start mm-hmm. to think that you're the abnormal one because you're not always miserable and depressed about your job or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they will really try to bring you down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes they don't even realize why they're doing it. It's almost like a reflex action. You know, they're not yeah. even always Thanks. conscious of it. You know, something I used to think was odd were Let's people who would never um, give you the, you know, like the they wouldn't, you know, like they wouldn't support you for following advice they gave you. Like, for example, back before I did Lunopolis, my little film project, it was like I talked about it a lot, but you know, and I'd have my friends go, "Oh, just do it. You can do it." You know, like because I was defeated, like, "Ah, I'm never gonna be able to do this. It's too much. I'm never gonna do it." And they would all encourage me, "Oh, go ahead and do it." And so then I did it, and they were like, "Ah, oh, that's not that good." <laughs> you know, and it was like. Yeah, you know, it was what? like, and they were almost pissed that you did it in the end. They were like, well, whatever. I mean, it's not that good. And you were like, well, wait, you were the one who told me to do it. Of course. No, they were mad because, and it's always the people closest to you. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, what we have a habit of doing, I was talking to you, Todd, about this. When you're like, when you're at a stage of heavy drinking, you gauge your drinking about, about with the other people around you. So you're like, well, this guy drinks seven days a week. I only drink five. I'm not so bad. Well, people do that with their life as well. We have a tendency, especially when we're lost and like we're directionless, we'll look around at the five, you know, the people that are closest to you. And then we're like, well, this guy only works at Walmart and this guy works at Chili's. I'm doing pretty good. I got my own apartment, my own house, and everybody's reflecting off each other. Well, when you start to ascend and start doing really well, they look at you. That's when envy starts hitting in because they don't have any excuses because they knew how you grew up. Because y'all grew up all in relatively similar situations, so they can't look at somebody else and say, well, maybe their parents helped them or make up some phantom shit. And what eventually happens, the higher up you go in success, that inward mirror starts turning in on that person, and it starts really fucking with them. And because they don't want to fix themselves, all they can do is project it outward at you, because you're the only target. You're the target of their hate at at that moment. It's, it's it's always a close. It's making people. them well because yes. internally it's fucking them up, and they don't have the wherewithal to better themselves. That's the only thing that's going to fix that. 
so they can only use you as an external source for their angst and they'll do everything to bring you down to their level because then internally it'll make them feel better again so they don't right. even realize they're doing the shit but right. you recognize it when you see it yeah and like you were saying earlier about feeling like you you know sometimes you just feel it you can just tell the tone or the emotion of somebody mm-hmm. their aura or whatever it is like you can feel that when someone's jealous or bitter or mad you know uh, like coworkers, whatever it is, any situation you're in, you can always tell the one person that just is not happy, you know, about about you or what you're doing or what's happening in the situation. And, you know, people wear their emotions on their sleeve a lot more. You know, I think back in the day, you know, I think I think it's become more of a chance for people to always be displaying their emotions now. You know, because of social media and all that stuff. Like we were saying about the dopamine hits, like people can get little pleasures from having a few people like their post. Mm-hmm. Just as much as they can get displeasure from a few people liking someone else's post, right? You know, no. and so it's like that. I think it, it's exacerbated that problem, sort of. These, oh, the, definitely pushing you to being toxic or feeling, mm-hmm. you know, toxic feelings. It's like that's helped get a lot of people to that mindset. I think. So I had this theory, and then Queen B, I'll get into your question about um, Facebook and TV and anxiety. Because, you know, uh, Matt, when you watch a video of somebody getting kicked in the nuts, you know that little cringe that you have? <laughs> well, and that's just off viewing it. So the thing we, about we it, still laugh, though. If, you, if you were to keep <laughs> watching, if you were to watch nut kicking videos over and over and over, you would start having a mild, a low-lying sense of anxiety. So when you watch the news all the time and you're exposed to Facebook, you're always having this undercurrent of anxiety that you don't even know exists. Because you might click on somebody's post that might piss you off. You might get in some dumbass debate with somebody on Facebook or just see something that unsettles you. And um, you have to limit that in your life. The more I stay away from Facebook, the better I feel. Oh, yeah. I deleted mine. I deleted it back in like March or April. All my social media. I, me, I am, you know, I think my problem this is, I guess you can call it, everyone has a toxic trait. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. I love watching train wrecks. I just do. <laughs> I like watching people just, and I, I don't know Man. why. I don't know how, but, and my train wrecks are these comment sections, depending on whatever the hot topic is. And I just like watching them babble on about nonsense for some reason. And I don't know why. It's just, it, I, I guess it's my guilty pleasure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Whatever the, whatever it is. And now I'm getting to the point to where I'm realizing that this is my so, the social media really isn't social anymore. It's more of... One, one group of a hive mindset, one echo chamber, another echo chamber. Everybody, you know, ha, everybody has their – and I'm starting to, you know, I mean, now that we're on a discussion of toxic friends, I'm starting to realize how toxic a lot of these people are. Yes. And I don't – I feel like I've overstayed my welcome. I rarely talk to anybody. Um mm-hmm. In uh, for 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 me for me and Donnie for us it's the, the blurred groups. I, I don't even participate in it, in them anymore because they're just so miserable. 
under some toxic energy. I don't do anything on Facebook anymore. I encourage my wife to not do it, but she still does it anyway. Just arguing with people on Facebook. It's stupid people. Don't do it. You don't win any kind of fucking yeah. uh, trophy. Right. There's no, no win. There's no victory. Epic ba- There's none. There's none. There's I know you think you showed them up, but no one cares about your pettiness. Y'all right. both look real petty. Um, I think this generation, I've been really disappointed in what social media turned out to be. The promise yeah. of what I thought it was going to be and yeah. like seeing life before and after. I'm sad. Like what I think is going right. to happen to these kids. I, I'm like so worried about them. They're not going to know a life without this. Like I'll just Correct. make one quick example and then I'll let you guys go. There was this kid, I can't think of his name, that I saw on Facebook who had just gotten, he had his ass whooped two or three years ago and they filmed it, right? White kid versus a black kid. White kid just got whooped. That He just got sent to jail because he had like over a hundred guns in his house and he was about to go shoot people. Because oh, he was so embarrassed by that video. Right. And I used to think cyberbullying was fake. Humiliated. Yeah. I used to think cyberbullying was fake, but I got bullied in high school, middle school, the whole shit. And I was like, damn, if that shit was on film and people could just play yeah, it yeah, for yeah. the rest of my life, all that embarrassing mm-hmm. shit that I had to deal yeah. with. Oh, for man. The, I don't know. For all oh, the. They yeah. can, I, they I can don't envy their situation. Out. No, they I can don't. point you out in the crowd. They can just say, "Oh man, that's that, that's that, that's that dude that got his ass." Man. And yes. then you have a, that, uh, that, and that sticks with you yes. forever. Yeah. I can forever. only, bro, like you can't even everything move. that happened. You know, you can't unless if you move to another country, and, and there's still a chance that it, it really wouldn't. No, you're right. right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, no, it's eternal now. Everything we do is filmed and eternal. You know, a lot oh, of people man. in our from our generation have said that. Like, God, all the things, all the dumb things, the stupid mm-hmm. choices we made, or embarrassing moments, and all this stuff. Like, you get to forget it, and then you never think about it again. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, you don't remember it until you know years later. Something will remind you, and you're like, Oh God, you know, or if you have a bad dream. You know, nowadays that can not only live on the internet but gain notoriety. Over the course of years, it could be 10 years later before they know yeah. to make fun of you for it. <laughs> you oh, know? But man. It, yeah, you're right. It's then, still like, there. And then Internet fucking Facebook, memory, Facebook memories, it comes back to haunt you. Mm. Oh, remember this motherfucker? Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I, just, I just spent a year pushing that into the deep bowels of my body. And thanks, mm-hmm. Facebook, for bringing that right back up. I appreciate that. Well, I think, I think a part of it, too, was back in the day, you know, you didn't see people and you weren't interacting with your friends and with people 24-7. It was only when you'd see them. And granted, right. at school or at jobs, you know, you'd see them more often. But, you know, the times you did have to talk, you were talking about the issues around you, what was going on among your mm-hmm. own friends, what was going on in the classroom or in the school. And then all of a sudden, the conversation became about everything happening in the world all at once mm-hmm. and for 24 hours a day. So maybe when we were kids, we'd have friends who we wouldn't really ever hear what they would think when they were, you know, taking their morning crap at you know, <laughs> eight in the morning, you know, <laughs> you know, getting pissed about something. But now we get to see and hear every single thought that they're having at all times. Yeah. And we used to just sort of at least... You know, once you got dressed, you went out in public and you saw your friends, you just talked about the stuff that, that was the most surface and the most important, which usually yeah. were personal things. 
And now everybody wants to talk about all the other stuff. They want to talk about politics and religion and everything. And they and so they don't even really address each other on a personal level anymore. It's just they argue and fight about what they think yeah. about all these bigger things. About shit you that know, they don't really know nothing about. Right, right. You know? What happened to just talking about your favorite movies or the shoes you decided to get or whatever it was, you know? Like your relationship oh, or what you and your Cotton girlfriend did. Game. Yeah. <laughs> game for life. <laughs> if you don't support Cotton Ball Gang... You gotta, we can't be friends. Just yeah, right, right. right. right now. Everybody gives each other ultimatums in their friendship yeah. now. You either do this yeah, or we're not yeah. friends. Or you like this we're or we're friends. not friends. Mm-hmm. And we used to never give each other ultimatums. We just we just existed and we just did because what we did. And if you liked someone, you did. And if you didn't, you didn't. The thing about Facebook and all that shit, it gives people these artificial nuts, man. Like, I've been threatened by people to fight so many times on Facebook. It's just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm not. Drop, drop the Addy. Dude, neither one of us would be saying <laughs> any of this if we were like three feet away from each other talking about yes. cat ball gang. Like, no yes. one would be that yes. bad. No. It just wouldn't nope. happen. Yeah. And well, it's like, also, nobody would also be as informed. You know, a lot of people like to have their arguments about topics or articles or current events but they they can research from their computer they can sit there and they can look up things and they can they can prepare themselves <laughs> nice to, to win just to win a, just to win a battle just to win a battle a never-ending battle a battle that no one will ever win whereas if they were standing there in person they would be stuck with what they know already in their head without any sort of extra you know resources yeah, so it's yeah. So they're more amicable with each other because when you can look someone in the eye, I often say this about like doing business or, you know, whatever, like the company I work for, they got offices in a couple of different states. So there's a lot of people we have to interact with that I've never met. And I'm like, is this, you know, so somebody sends an email and I'm like, is this snarky? Like, is this guy being a dick or is this just the way he talks? You know, like you don't know. And so now you kind of get like, well, excuse me. And then you kind of send back some snarky, you know, and then you're like, before you know it, like you guys are like almost fighting and you don't even, that wasn't even the point. Per my last email. Regards. (laughs) Yes. See below. As I, as I previously stated. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, whereas you wouldn't do that in person. You wouldn't do that in person. No, no. Never I hate would that you I say... can't just walk into someone's office or room and say something, you know? Oh, man. Like, office work, and I just found this out. I've, I've um, definitely come to this realization within myself. I fucking hate corporate America. It's not yeah. my thing. Um, it teaches you passive aggressiveness. You cannot be too direct because you might hurt somebody's feelings and then you hurt the wrong group of people's feelings. You're fucked. It literally teaches you how to be a passive-aggressive bitch. Like, that is the role of corporate America, to make digs that no one can trace back to you. And it's really, (laughs) really, it's really fucking lame, y'all. Like, and I'm I'm not saying that I'm a rude person or I like to just like, oh man, fuck you. But like, I'd rather have direct conversations than like pulling up fucking emails from March to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's also funny because talk about like hurting people's feelings and stuff. You know, there used to be a time when people would just break each other's balls a lot. You know, oh, look at this fucking guy. Oh, look at your fat ass. You know, whatever. Like people would pick on each other and everybody would be like, ah, oh, well, you're ugly, you know, bastard. Yeah. Whatever. And I, I would, you know, especially in the South, you know, there's a lot of oil, oil wrench turning type guys, you know, mechanic types that just break each other's balls all day long and so for somebody who's not a part of it might you know a customer walks in and they're like oh my gosh these guys are all mad at each other and it's like no they're not they're all they're all joking you know like they're all on the same page 
But then eventually, when people aren't like all together and you're not around your actual friends, then you do have to dial it back. You can't just be as crass as maybe you could have been or whatever with some friend of yours. You know, you like know, I had a buddy of mine that used to always call me fat. He was like, oh, what's up, fatso? You know, whatever. But he didn't like mean to be. He wasn't being an ass. He was just fucking mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. But I you know, it's, uh, you can curse all the fuck you, fuck <laughs> you want. Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I don't edit anything, so I just, okay, uh, I just good. let it be. Oh, cool. And it's actually, the show, is, the show is live, too. So I thought that's what Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, what was I going to say? You know, that's the thing about jokes, though. I think Eminem said it, even though I joke a lot of truth is said in jest. That's another thing about bad friends. True. They'll take little digs at you and you'll feel yeah. it, like, but you can't pinpoint it. They mask it as a joke. They mask it as a joke. And here's a really classic technique of a bad friend. They'll bring up and it's something embarrassing that happened to you in front of mixed company almost for no yes. reason at all. Like, yeah, they'll just yeah, say, hey, yeah. man, you remember that time Truth. you puked in your underwear? Yes, And they're yes. like, ha-ha. But it's never you know, a joke they, about... They, they, it's never a story about it themselves. Is, it's always a story they'll, about you. Yes. They'll do it, especially when uh, people... Girls. They'll do it, especially when, girls. when girls are around. Yep. <laughs> like, hey, man, remember when, remember when such and such and such and such? And then you're just sitting there like, bro. Why are you... You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, yes. Yes. God. Hold on for one second. I'm about to, y'all keep going. I'm about to get some popcorn real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. It, it, that have that you know that's not just even friends. Like that's family too. I've had family pull that move on me before. Or out of nowhere, you'll be talking about something completely unrelated, and then they'll bring something like that up, and you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Why would you say that right now?" You know. Hey, and then you can't help me right now. Yeah, right, right. But then you're <laughs> embarrassed, and then you kind of you you don't really you can't really react right away because. You feel like you don't want to overreact to something, but then the more you think about it, you're like, "I'm getting angrier as the, you know as the minutes are going by." And before you know it, thirty minutes later, you hit them with something. You know, yeah, well, remember the time you know you shit on yourself? You know, they're like what? And now it's a war. Like they, and now they're pissed, and everybody's all butthurt that you said that. And you're like, well, you know, that used to happen to me a lot. What's that? It's just talking. It's just you know saying that basically, like if when someone does that to you. You know, when someone brings something out of the or out of nowhere to embarrass you, then your reaction is to want to bring something back to embarrass them. But it makes you look petty. And then, it, right? Yeah. But then either you're petty, or then they're they're pissed at you for having done it, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, you obviously didn't realize that what you just said hurt my feelings, and now their feelings are all hurt." And they're like, "Why would you say that?" And you're like, "Well, you just said that," and then it becomes a war, all because <laughs> one person had to do it, and so now you're made to feel like you started the war, even yep. though you feel they're the one who started the war. Like, why did you say this? Why did you try to embarrass me? Why do I have to react to that or whatever? People do that on the internet a lot. Family and friends. Oh, yeah. Fucking internet. I sound like an old-ass man when I said that right there. Fuck <laughs> <internet. laughs> Those goddamn internet. <laughs> it's always but no, That man. is true, though. That's a good point about, like, sort of being disappointed in, in what it became as versus what we all thought it would be. Oh, man. Like, well, I mean, I some of it happened. Like, I didn't have to go to my 10-year reunion. I knew what everybody was doing. Yes, yes. Reunions are unnecessary now. We don't need them. Oh, yeah. We know what they're 20, doing. Our 20th, really. our 20th, well, was supposed to be this year, but COVID came and crushed the buildings. But it's not like, it's not as if I was going to go anyway because I knew what so I know. A lot of y'all are fat now. A lot of y'all are fat and unattractive. Yeah. 
No, no, no. That's true. I never and, thought and the tables would turn. I know, right? I never thought the tables would turn. But a lot of y'all couldn't even get a date with me if y'all wanted to. It's, it's messed up. I know that sounds cocky, but it's true. I know it hurts. Always the ones you never would thought would get fat. Either. I know. Like the I hottest know. guy or girl in school becomes the biggest oaf later in life. Well, you know what? The thing about it is a lot of people that were cool, I didn't realize until later in life that their parents just didn't care about them. That's why they yes. were able to run free and do so much bullshit. You thought that mm-hmm. staying out to midnight in the eighth grade was cool? No, that just means they had some parental people that didn't give a shit what they did. Your parents mm-hmm. loved you. All right, mine did. They didn't let me do out and do a bunch of dumb shit. I did dumb shit anyway, but they didn't encourage it. Sure. Yeah. That's, well, a lot crazy. of times the things that made people cool in school was their lack of giving a shit about anything. Like It was yeah. always the laid-back guy who didn't care and he, or whatever. They were carefree, you know, and then that was sought after when you were a kid, but not so much when you're an adult. You know, so if they carry that over into their adulthood and then 20 years later you see them at the reunion, you go, oh my God, you're exactly the same. <laughs> like, ugh. Even, you know, that's even worse. Dude, you just made a really interesting point. I never thought about it. When you're a kid, what's the only thing you crave? Freedom and impulsivity to be able to do what you want to do. Like, discipline yeah. is lost on you. So obviously, you're right. If you see somebody that is highly impulsive and can do whatever they want to do, you think that's cool. The problem right. is being highly impulsive and doing whatever you want to do doesn't really translate well into adult life at all. Like because that doesn't with, exist, right? I mean, it can if you're. We but it's bad to get into that habit. Right. That's yeah, where I those mean, kids got messed up. They got allowed to be into that habit so long that they never really could break out of it. Right. Because the excuse me, the popcorn's delicious. The time that they have a chance <laughs> to get it right, it's um white cheddar. Hatch chili pepper. Oh, shit's good. Wow. That's good. I got some tea, too. Some kind of, I don't know what kind of tea this is, but it's really good. But um, Handsome and Green Ninja are on the line. If you guys want to call in, type type a comment, and then I'll debate if I'll let you in or not. Go from there. But the topic, in case y'all missed it, is about bad friends, toxic relationships. All of them can be really detrimental to you because whether you know it or not, you have a bad friend, you are pouring some type of energy into this person. Queen B asked the question, what do you do when your best friend is toxic? How do you have that conversation? I got bad news for you. You don't. If a person is toxic, that at that moment, they're not your best friend. That right. You can't be best friends with somebody that envies your life or wants your life. Um, just can't do it, man. It's, it's not possible. I've been, on opposite, I've been on both sides. I've been jealous of people. That's how I know how, and it's usually when my life was fucked up. No, it is when my life was fucked up. And your thoughts aren't your own. Like, being in a bad place and being jealous of somebody is a horrible combination. And it'll start, Mm. because, like, the devil will just sit there and fuck with you. Especially if you're in a place where you don't have the money to go out or do anything or really interact with people. That's where Facebook really started fucking us up. I think one of my lowest points, I will never forget this. I was standing in this... um, my first apartment, Facebook had just gotten there, so I had like some kind of old ass computer. Um, I couldn't keep my AC running in the summertime because I got ripped off by some light company. I was paying like twenty five cents a kilowatt. I just didn't know what that was. So I'm sitting in this hot ass apartment in the middle of the summer with no money, drinking like cheap vodka, 
looking at everybody's life on Facebook, like they're living this magical ass life. I've never been that low in my whole fucking life. Like Facebook just got the wound and just salted that shit. <laughs> you're only seeing the fake reality and yes. everybody's fake reality looks so much yep. better than your depressing ass reality. And it's and everybody so treats hard. their life like a PR game. Like everybody's yeah. just their own public relations person now. They're not yeah. even real. And the thing about it is, is that that one Vegas vacation that they go on, they that took up you know so many of their resources. And sure, it's just one week, but um, think about everything. Not only do you think about what they had to do to get there. But you also have to think about everything outside of that, because um, my sister, uh, she goes out a lot and she enjoys her life and all that. But, mm. you know, I, you know, I see her, you know, more times to when she's not out and doing all that cool stuff. Like she's younger. She's in her early 30s. Like she sits in her room and watches shows all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like That is her real life. That, that is the real her. life. That exactly. is the real her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, before Facebook, there was MySpace. And mm-hmm. with us, you know, I actually knew people that were, um, you know, that were club promoters. And I hung out with them all the time, usually on Saturdays and Sundays, usually on Fridays and Saturdays. Bro, my normal life was me working at Target and going to school at Prairie View, dude. I'm not that dude that's on those vinyl pimp. I don't know if you remember uh, vinyl pimp, but on those vinyl pimp pictures, that's posh with a whole bunch of people, you know, back in the spiked hair era or, you know, whatever the hell and all those little club pictures. That's not my life, bro. And that's none of their lives, because if you're doing all of that, um, if you're doing all of that, say seven days a week, and I'm not going to laugh, come close to that. But the thing is, I still have to work. You're 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 spending all of your money and your time trying to procure this image that you're some sort of um, Hollywood movie star when you're really just a you just well, I mean most of these people that you know like most of the people that were club promoters like they're real jobs like they were security they're, they they work security you know what I mean there are maybe a couple of them that actually were about that. Um, like you know, you know, some of the club owners are not even club owners anymore. A lot of them, a lot of them even got popped for you know doing miscellaneous things. But um, for the most part, that's what's up. Nothing. When I was younger, being a club promoter or a club DJ, any of those things, used to live look like an awesome life. I would hate it. I would hate it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not the only would I hate it now because I'm an old grumpy man. But I would hate it even <laughs> more if I had had that done it through my twenties and thirties. I realize now that I never really liked clubbing as much as I acted like I did. Right. I really didn't. I, didn't I just did it because I don't think so many of, other people. I, I, don't, I don't think most of us did because when you turn the lights off and take away the alcohol, the overpriced alcohol, uh, um, <laughs> it's a very miserable experience because the music is so the last one of the last times I went to a club. Yeah, I actually drank too. Um, the music is just so loud, like unbelievably <laughs> loud. You can't talk to any, you can't talk to the person that's sitting right next to you. You have to yell in their ear. Like, yeah, what, right. what is, what's, what's cool about that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's such a miserable experience. It's so, I, yeah, I know, I know, you know, I, I know my 38 years of living, I know it sounds like I'm being a grumpy old man, but, I don't see 
anything. I felt that way when I was 20. Hey, <laughs> no. you know? I am glad you felt that way. I, 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 I honestly believe that there was a good amount of us that believed that felt that way. The thing is, is that I used to hang out with people like you when I was in my 20s that felt like that was lame. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm starting to realize that as um, Donnie um, alluded to, is the fact that other people thought that it was cool. So I was like, you know what? I think it's it's fine. But right. looking back, and on you're it, trying to meet girls. Mm-hmm. You still have that. You still have the anticipation of maybe. Even though meeting girls in the club really isn't the place to meet them. Just, uh, not really. No, it really isn't. Like, like it is. That's the kind of girl that you want to be serious with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can be mad about that, but it's the truth. Just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because like I just turned forty-one, like, uh, and so obviously it's old, you know. It's like, and, and I work around a lot yeah, of younger people. There. Most of the people I work with are in their mid twenties and stuff, and so I do have that thing now because I always used to be the young one. I was always the young one in my friend group, and now I'm the old mm-hmm. one. In my group. And so it's been interesting because there's a lot of stuff that people who I now know, people who I have met since I've moved to Nashville just a couple years ago. Who were like, oh well, you know, you're just old now, and I'm like, no, I've I've felt this for 30 years. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yes, I know it seems like an old man thing, but I guess I've been an old man at heart since I was a teenager because I never wanted to do that stuff. I hated yeah. concerts. I hated going to the club, just like you're saying. Like, but I did it because all my friends. That's where everyone wanted to go. If you wanted to do what everyone was doing, that's where you had to do it. Everything lived. Everything else was in service to that. So. Exactly. Their, their clothing, their jewelry, all the things that they had to buy and do was to supplement what happened in that couple of hours a night they'd spend at a club or a bar or whatever. And so it just it always felt hollow. It always felt like, you know, you could, like you're saying, you couldn't talk. Like I was, I thrived on conversation. I didn't want to just get together and be quiet. You know, I wanted to talk, have conversation, do this kind of stuff. You know, and no one would ever, no, nobody ever had anything. You guys probably had this problem too, where you You'd say something just kind of heady or something to make them think, and they'd be like, "Jesus, what are you smoking? You know, or what yeah, the hell is yeah, matter with you?" Yeah, weirdo, like, oh, really? what are you the Spice Girls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Like, what? Like, what? I'm trying to talk. talk. You want to say travel. words, loser? <laughs> yeah, and, and it makes you feel more isolated, and it makes you mm-hmm. feel like more that you're not doing the you're that you're more abnormal, you're not right. and you just a, yeah, you're not living yeah. right because you don't want to do fucked up shit with your free time. Just like right. think about that. I mean, uh, you, I used to really hate that I didn't works. like concerts. I never could figure out why I really didn't. I love music, but I never really cared to go and watch people play music. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It, just didn't, it was it wasn't my thing. But everyone right. loved concerts. They couldn't wait. They buy hundreds, you know, hundreds of dollars of tickets, and they wait in line for hours and hours and hours. And I never gave a shit about any of that stuff. And I felt bad because I thought, should I? Am I missing out on something? And then I would try, but I hated it, you know? Yeah. Big crowds of people. I was never good in crowds. It was just, I was like, this isn't pleasant to me. I'd almost rather just listen to the damn CD, Mm -hmm. you know, in my own space than fight and spend, you know, days and days of effort to get to see them in person for two hours. What do you listen to right now anyway, musically? Man, I listen to... A lot of various different stuff. Lately, I've, it depends. You know, honestly, it depends on the situation. Like, I, you know, a lot of times I work at a computer and I'm editing video and audio. So I have to, like, listen to what is being said. or what's, So I'll listen to stuff that's just sort of soft and just background, like, scores or something. You 
video game scores, that kind of thing. Something that's just subtle enough to not be distracting. Right. But like when I'm driving and that kind of stuff, you know, or when I want to pay attention to music, then it varies up. I've just recently started kind of like listening to classic rock again, just because I haven't listened okay. to it forever. Such but, as, um, give me a band. Oh man, I don't know. God, I never can think of band names. Um, uh, you know, like uh, I don't know, like Steve Miller Band, uh, Journey. Right. Uh, I don't know, shit that the they Eagles? would play on like a so Eagles, yeah, 60s, 70s, 80s, Leonard Skinner, you know, um, that kind of stuff. I do listen to that a lot, but I also like to rotate. So, like on Spotify or whatever, they'll do like daily mixes based on the things you kind of listen to. So, I kind of like to just let it play, almost like the radio would, because I like to discover things that I didn't expect um, instead of just listening to what I already know. So, like, we recently did a road trip. Me and um, Katie went and did a road trip. And so, like, and we were in Utah, so we were driving through the desert, and I'm like, hmm, let's listen to some desert mix, you know? And so I just typed in, like, desert music. And so there was a whole bunch of different stuff there, and I thought that was interesting. And then we got to Colorado, and we were in the mountains, and then I started looking at mountain music and found stuff. And as I find them, I'll mark them and make it a favorite, you know? I rarely remember the artists' names, but I'll remember a song, and so I'll just kind of store them in a folder somewhere. And then that kind of builds into, I don't know if I ever told you this, but me and a buddy of mine used to do a radio show way back in the day called Liquid Lounge. And it was all like trip hop music. Oh, yeah. I never told you that. Uh, and it was like It's actually Orchiba one of my favorite genres, by the way. Me too. Me too. And honestly, that's what I, I listen to. I love trip hop. If I'm What's, what is trip hop exactly? Ah, that's hard. That's hard. When like, is describe. it trippy like, hip hop? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, like a fusion. Uh, or more Chiba, or uh, God, I DJ think... Shadow Zero Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said yeah, uh, I, I, I'm my best. Who's who? If I'm if I'm getting entry into it right now, who would, I would who say just look up, just look up Tricky on yeah Tricky. Yep, yep. Wait, on, is that the guy um, who made Angels with Dirty Faces? I don't know. I'm not sure, but no. I think Massive Attack. Oh. They probably would count maybe a little bit. Definitely Massive Attack. attack. Definitely. Uh, so wait, does it sound like this? This is tricky. Right. I mean, that one's a little weird, but yeah. All right, so I'm saying that, that, that would that qualify. Shit. Huh? Okay. All right, I learned something new today. I'm listening. To yeah, the there's guy. there. It, it's a it's a it's a fun blend. We basically the guy that I did the show with was the same guy that I made Lunopolis with. You did tell and me he was this, all, so to be a He was all guy. into it. The music, yeah, he was <laughs> he was a weird guy, but he had good taste in that kind of music, and so he used to hunt that stuff down a lot. And then we started doing that little radio show, uh, and that that introduced me to a lot of that music through him. Also, bad friends have bad taste in music. Get rid of your friends with bad taste in music. Man, you and know that's funny you should say yeah. that because that, that just made me think. I also have always been the kind of person who listens to the sort of music that no one ever wants to listen to. Oh, man. You know? No one ever wants to listen to my playlist. They're like, what the hell is this, you know? But I oh. always have friends who demand Whoa. that I listen to their playlist. Their bullshit playlist. I, 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 am, I am that guy. Like, I remember, and this is, you know, this isn't even too far off of the wavelength of, um, you know, the central... I had a little Wayne mix and a Freddie Gibbs mix on um, my, my, my Pandora at the time. Every time I put the Pandora mix on, the older heads would be like, oh, man, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. But if I, but, but if I put that Freddie Gibbs mix on around, around, around the kids, they're going to be like, yo, what is this? You know what I mean? And this is hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
and it's not even um it's not even the left field hip hop like MF Doom or anything like that. It's you know, it's gangster rap. It sounds similar to the Lil Wayne mix, but I think a lot with a lot of these kids and a lot of these people with uh, shitty music taste, it's more of a familiarity thing and uh, being a part of a hive than the actual yeah, yeah. music. You know what I mean? Because like they I, can't I mean, approve I, I, music I, until someone else does. Exactly. Exactly. And, and 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 you know, the more people in that hive, the better. Like for example, there's a there's a Nicki Minaj hive. There's a um, there's an Eminem hive that's fucking annoying. There's a um, there's there's you know there's a Megan Thee Stallion hive. There's a um, there's a, there's a Jay Z hive. I call them the Hovengers. Um, there's so many different <laughs> hives out there that that exists. And um, you know the Drake hive, the Draconians. Um, there's so many of those little hives out there, and you can tell them. You can sit down there, and it's not even worth arguing. You can sit down there and tell them why this sucks, and they'll always bring up a hey, sales. They'll see, just be like, "Oh, this person has so many followers," but I'll and I'll be like, "What is the music?" I'll, I'll ask. I'll just confront them and ask this. But how is the music? They'll be like, "Oh, well, music is subjective." And while I agree with that, in a sense, it's still not an excuse for you to come at me and defend your shitty music taste. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's shitty music's always going to be shitty music. So sure. Well, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know. So I do mm-hmm. agree. Like I hear people listen to like that screamo rock, where it's just blah, 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 you know, and like I know plenty of young people that listen to that, and to me, it's like this is grating noise. Like yeah. I'd rather scratch nails down the chalkboard than listen to it. But if they love it, then okay. Like I guess, like I'm not gonna tell them they shouldn't, but it also makes you wonder, like, what is it in you that likes this music? I mean, the music you like is a good indicator of what kind of person you are, you know? Like, I used to hate rage music of any kind, like that, just that real heavy, dark metal type music, like, like, what kind of mindset are you in that you want to listen to this all the time? And can you even, you know, can you even understand it? Right. Does it matter? Do you need to, or is it just sort of feeding your, feeding something, you know? Like, I've always liked something that's just, that calms me, you know? Like, I like music that's kind of calm. I mean, I'll listen to a variety of shit, but for the most part, I'm not going to listen to, like, really heavy, grungy, you know, ugly metal, you know, war or whatever, that kind of shit. Like, what the fuck, you know? I just, I don't understand. I just, I don't understand it. So that's fine. Long enough, it's going to put you in a mind state. Of course, yeah. You're constantly in that aggressive mode. Like, you're going to walk around like just a pumped-up, angry person all the time, man. Well, you always try to listen to the music, I think, that that represents the mood you're in, you know? If you're depressed, mm-hmm. you listen to depressing music, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're in, if you're happy or overjoyed or in love, you want to listen to happy shit, you know? I mean, it, that's just an extension of your emotion. It's just what it reveals about your emotions all the time. <laughs> Those are other evidences, though. Like, can you be friends with someone... You know, like, would you be friends with someone since we're talking about friendships? You know, so, like, if you meet someone and you guys mm-hmm. get along, you know, like, you, you, you connect on a lot of different levels. And then mm-hmm. you get in your car and they start blaring the most obnoxiously annoying music you've ever heard. And they're loving it, you know, and they're just jamming out to it. And you're like, aw. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I guess that's a negative strike on, on this friendship chart, yep. yes, you know. Yes, I might as well just burn this phone number. We're never going to <laughs> 
I remember one of my buddies tried to make me listen to Insane Clown Posse. And oh, this was back he's not your friend. Was... He's not your friend. He never yeah, was your friend. Dude, I remember when I was so he has no friends. Was really? too, yeah. Man, dear God, I, I never wanted him to leave. I never wanted someone to leave the car more in my life. I was like, dude, come on now. He was, what I mean, you know me. Jugalos? Yeah, Juggalos. Yeah. Have you ever and heard I got a song give... they had called Why Is That or... Something about magnets. Ah, it's the dumbest song ever. I don't. I don't. Miracles. I, Miracles I just can't do it. Hold on. Stop. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. Oh, man. And people love this shit. They love it. <laughs> Well, you know, that's another good point, too, is that I think... The hey, but, hey, but music, music is subjective, bro. It that? is. It is. But I was just saying, I think people... No, nobody really wants to be in the middle of the road on what they like. They either have to super, super love something or super, super hate it. It doesn't have you to know? be that way. It, it really it doesn't. doesn't. But like, I, I don't understand, understand that. Like, what motivates Facebook. That? Facebook has made yeah. that line. It's made this hard yeah. line in the sand... Because you'll even see somebody that has a little diagram of like, there's people in A and there's people in B, but there can be people in C. No one respects that person. They're like, oh, you're full of shit. Either you're down or you're not. And it's just like everybody's in, it's a gang culture, like mob mentality. Right, right. Right. Over everything. Over everything. Over anything. I think they're just getting us hyped up and riled up. Pretty soon it'll be like red mask versus blue mask. I didn't want to bring up this 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 uh, this issue, but I'm gonna bring it up anyway because it's been pissing me off, and I just want to go ahead and get it off of my chest. Your gears. You know, we all. I mean, we talk about this this whole Tory Megan situation. I'm not gonna get too involved in it, but I have a bunch of friends on my friends list, and that say if you listen to the Tory uh, album, we're no longer friends, and I'm gonna block you. I'm like, really? Is it that fucking serious? Like, it's a it's an album, and this involves people that aren't even like they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you. I mean, of course, I mean, of course, you have this belief that, oh, you have a personal uh, relationship with them because, um, you know, you're a part of their little. Um, um, I, I don't know what the I don't know what the the, the, the the Megan, the stallion, I guess you call them stallions or whatever the fuck. But um, when you leave the Internet and you go back about your day or whatever, like none of that shit is going to affect you. Whether I listen to this album or not, and I haven't listened to it, you know, because I'm not that big of a Tory Tory fan. But I'm just saying, if I were to listen to it and I were to say that I listened to it just out of curiosity, you're willing to block me or defriend me, you know. And there's so many people that are saying this that it's now a hive mind, you know, going on. And some of them, you know, are people that you would not even expect to say this. And I'm just like, really, dude, like, you're willing to end a friendship. Over a fucking album, yes. About yeah. you know, if if if, if it's if it's that serious, right? you know what I mean. That's you're, you're basically you're not you're, you're not willing to change your mind or your thoughts and opinions for to continue our friendship. You're not willing to give it to my ultimatum, or even just accept mine, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of really mean, I need you to believe my delusions mm-hmm. that like, I might change my mind on in a second. 
Yeah, everybody exactly. deals in absolutism now. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's either all or nothing. That's the only way. That's so. It's not only is it toxic. Crazy. That's crazy but as fuck. It's, that's how crazy people it's think. It's dangerous. Yes, yes. It's dangerous. Is who serious? I do. I don't know. Are people serious? I don't know. They could be. Because you know we're talking. Well, they're about. getting more and more serious. They feel like yeah, more and more right. at stake over these things where nothing's at stake. You know, yeah. they're dealing in absolute, like you're just saying about like an album. People, people get to that point where they're like, "I have to take a stand on this album," and you're like, "Wow, what? Really? Is that necessary?" You know what? And sometimes you wonder, and I think we all think this somewhere way back in the back of our mind. You've seen people do it, where they make these long, drawn out statements. You can tell they're like reaching for Facebook fame. They're just waiting mm-hmm. to see if anybody's going to share their. They make some patriotic ass sounding. Three minute mm-hmm. assertion about yo, you blah 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 blah. blah. So trying to be think, we, uh, we call those think pieces. Yeah, the great I'm, I'm sick of those shits. I'm sick of those shits. They keep, I don't even. I'm, hey, I got bad news for everybody. If you ask me to post and repost anything, and if I don't do it, I like hate the thing that you're talking about. I guess I hate the thing that you're talking about because I'm never gonna repost anything. Your chain mail comes to me to die. I don't care yes, about your videos, yeah, yeah. about awareness mm-hmm. of anything. I really don't. I don't. I really don't give a shit. Uh, I really just came on here for funny videos and boobs, and you're really disturbing that. Well, and you know that's funny. You know, it's like that's exactly it. You don't give a shit. So that's kind of the thing. So many people give a shit. If somebody yeah. says, "If you don't like this, then you're an asshole," and you go, "Okay, I guess <laughs> I'm an asshole." I guess I'm an asshole. I mean, I guess I have to live with that. You know? But that you know, that's not a problem that exists in your head. It's a problem that exists in their head because everybody wants to cloak everyone around them in the garments they want you to wear. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like we do that to each other a lot. You know, they want they want to immediately find the thing they want to identify you as through your music, through your clothes, through whatever it is, and make those kinds of you know assumptions about you. Oh well, if you like this album, then you must be all these other things about other people that I don't like. But you know, Facebook is like superpowers, and it's like that superpower that we always feared, like the unknown side effect of, well, what would, would you really want to read people's minds if you had the ability? Facebook has definitely taught us that, you know, you do not want to be able to read people's minds, because if you, I mean, okay, let's be honest, we've all had fucked up thoughts about people, even people you like, like even for a brief second. For some people that have low impulse control, they choose to put their those instantaneous thoughts on the internet, and they can't ever undo them. And it's letting us know like how ugly a person you really are. Like you think you're empowering yourself, but you're not. You're just letting us know that you're, we're probably never gonna hang out again, and that if I haven't liked any of your posts in a while, I probably bought you. Because I don't want to see negativity. Is that I think that became thing that really was disappointing was when you realized how many people were, how many people that you considered friends who were Man. clearly willing Man. to walk away from you, you know, yes. like when people start doing that, you go, wow, is that like, I know that message isn't directed specifically at me, but what you've just said is, fuck all of you. you yeah, know? yeah, like you've given me no choice because you've, because it's back to the absolutism, it's like you will put out something saying, I'm this and this and this and this. And I feel yeah. so strongly about it because people, what you're uh, essentially doing, like, could you imagine if you went through your address book 
and you rent, wrote out postcards saying, I'm part of the Cotton Club gang, and if you don't like it, you can suck a dick and mailed it to all these people. Like, you don't think they would take that as offense? Like, you don't think they'd have a problem with that if you're, they're not down with the Cotton Club gang? I mean... <laughs> It's, it's true. Like, you, it's the exactly, same thing. you would write a letter and mail it to them and say that. Yeah. You know? And that's you're just like with family and, and people that, that, that end up fighting over things. It's like, these are, these are, these are things that come out of a clear blue sky. Yeah. And every, you know, it's almost like people are, are constantly looking for reasons <laughs> to be at war, you know, or they're looking for things to, to, to hate you for. And so when it even becomes things like that, like a musician or a band or whatever, it's like, man, you 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 don't care about your friendships so much that you're mm-hmm. finding every possible reason you can to make sure that everybody is pissed at you. <laughs> you know, like, all of your friends are like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? You know, but, but it's almost like they don't care. That's what I was saying earlier about like no, a friend that you deal with their shit better than they deal with your shit. You know, mm-hmm. they may go around saying that all the time. Well, you better like this band, or you better like that band, and you're like, okay, well, I do like this band. But then if you were to ever say the same thing to them, mm-hmm. they'd get pissed, they'd fight, and then they'd stop being your friend. Now, speaking of that, you know what else is interesting, especially for our younger uh, listeners out there? I also have bad news for you. Your friends will give you advice on shit that they won't actually do themselves. Don't let your friends hype you up into this imaginary world of shit that they would have done if they were in your situation, they won't do shit. They're not going to do shit. They're telling you, they're trying to live through you or make whatever rash decision through you. I'll never remember. I remember this one time I went out to the bar and three of my buddies came out. I'll never forget this shit. And they were like, I said, I'm going to go hang out with my gal later. And they're like, nah, man, fuck that. Hanging out with the fellas. No shit. One by one, all of their spouses called them and they all went home. And I was left at the bar by myself. And I was like, and I couldn't even, at first I was mad. I was like, hey man. Then I was like, wait a second. There's only one fool here. Just one. Because I didn't do what I wanted to do. I did what everybody else wanted to do. And I'm left here holding the bag. And that's generally how it is in a lot of these fucked up um, friendships. They'll tell you to do shit like quitting your job or dumping your girlfriend at the slightest profit, like anything. Fighting for some people, fighting in the club about, you know, whatever. They'll hype you up, especially in bad ones. Like, if you really think about your good friends, they usually give you decent advice. Like, they'll tell you, hey, work it out if it's with a good person. They'll tell you to figure out a new job, and they won't encourage you to fight. Your bad friends will always encourage you to do some bad shit. Like, a lot. You know the advice is bad because you take it, and it doesn't work. (laughs) Yes. I also think it's funny whenever they're always telling you what they would have done. Mm-hmm. You know? You're like, well, then so-and-so said this. Oh, well, I would have said this. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, no, you wouldn't. Because it's actually, <laughs> it's an indirect jab. It's like, it's a, a passive-aggressive way of trying to say that you're weak and they're strong. And yes, that's how yes. a strong, that's really what, it's a dig. To, that's to true. Once the words that come out of your mouth are, well, if I was you or you're better than me, that is a dig, and they know what they're doing when they say it. They're looking down on you. They're saying that you handled the situation poorly, and the true way to handle it is this way. Um, yeah, because your real friends, if they if there's a situation that's fucked up, you'll listen to it, and you'll just ask them how they felt about it and let them vent or whatever. 
but I've made it a tendency of mine to not give my advice unless it's asked for. If you don't want, if you just want me to listen, I will literally wait until you say, well, what do you think? If you say, what do I think? And I'll usually say something to the effect of, are you sure you want to hear what I have to say? So I'm going to tell you the truth and then I'll let it go. But I don't like unsolicited advice at all. Like, I really hate it. Well, I like your angle from earlier, though, about like hmm. the self-awareness of, of when to give advice and when not to and that kind of thing. I think a big part of it is, is just that to be a good man, just like it is a good person, you have to, you just have to always be willing to accept your own fallibility and that you could be wrong about everything, you know, and yes. no matter what you feel in that moment, and no matter what your opinion is in that moment, you could be wrong about it. So many people don't ever want to address that they could be wrong. I yeah. do nothing but regret things I did in my past, <laughs> you know, every year I'm like, God, I was such an idiot last year, you know, and then the next year I think the exact same thing. So I'm like, well, that must mean that I'm always an idiot and I just keep re-realizing it, <laughs> you know? So why would I ever be confident enough to act or think that everything I'm thinking you're doing is right if every time I look back on it, I think it was wrong? Hmm. But you know, that's a really good point that you pointed out. Another really dangerous friend to have is the know-it-all. Because a lot of times, well, all the time, the know-it-all does not indeed know-it-all. Because really smart people realize how much they don't know. Don't because know. it gives you the opportunity to learn. And you always look at learning as like a joyous matter because you realize you just don't know. Motherfucking know-it-alls. And it's not from a malicious place. It's from an ego place because they're having feelings of self-worthlessness. Will give you bad advice and act like they're the expert on it. Like I didn't realize that I had a lot of friends that were stupid. But because I lacked confidence... They would say stupid shit with so much confidence, I would believe them and keep taking that poor advice because I just didn't have confidence in myself and the thoughts that I had. And you notice it because now that I'm older, I'll tell people I'm going to do something. They'll tell me whatever bullshit reason why I can't do it. And I just ignore them like totally. I don't even because especially if it's unsolicited, I just totally ignore the shit because people have a habit. One like hold on. People have a habit of putting their insecurities on you. They love doing that shit. Yeah, if they don't yeah. think that they could do it, they'll say, they'll they'll just tell it you, it can't be done. That's a lot of work. That's not you. Or whatever bullshit. Don't believe it. Just do what the fuck you want to do. All right. That's it. <laughs> good advice. That's good advice. How often do you ever have a friend give you some advice that then a year later you hear them give exactly the opposite? Oh and man! Like, Wait a minute. That's not what you said last time. And they're like, "Yo, dude, they don't no, even remember that like, they <laughs> they gave you the opposite advice." Yes, that happens a lot. It happens a lot because they're just talking out their ass. They right, are just right. like saying random shit that they don't actually believe. And I don't. I think it's from a place of ego and self importance, but sometimes it's just that well, one upmanship. Yes, yes. I was gonna say actually that would be a good topic for another. For a future podcast would be sort of like your own duality. I think we all mm-hmm. have a duality, you know, that we can be of two minds at the same time, or that you can think one thing and then two hours later think something different. You can yeah, feel two cool. ways about something. You can feel two ways about a. That's almost why you don't get the advice because somebody may mm-hmm. tell you a situation. You're like, well, this seems like this would be a good idea, but at the same time, I also don't think it would be a good idea. So now I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know? Well, that's why. But that's why you get into like a with people that you trust and it turns into almost a think tank 
where y'all just go back and forth and give all the thoughts about it. And that's why you don't make decisions. And this is this sounds like a duality right here. You don't make a decision on feeling, right? You do go based on what's presented in front of you. But on the same note, trust your gut instinct. I know that doesn't sound right. But when you, what I found works really well when you make a decision is the first thing you want to do is look at the reality of the situation in front of you. Don't try to color it or change it or bend it to what you want it to be. Simply just look at it. I'm muting somebody because they're making a lot of noise back there. Is somebody building a Lego thing? <laughs> Sorry, that was me. I put my oh, okay. Um, look at the re- look at the situation for the reality of what it is, especially with people and how they present to you. And the second thing is. Try to push some of your feelings to the side, like fear, anger, and all this kind of stuff, and really tap into what your gut's telling you. Because the gut is usually that first thought, the very first thought that hits. Anytime that you have to say, well, but, maybe, and try to change that thought, you're changing it the wrong way. Your body told you what was up. Just run with it. And I'm usually you'll find out, at least for me, nine times out of ten, you're right. You're on the money. You weren't being crazy. Uh, like a really good example is somebody that's insecure. I can't really tell the story because this person might listen. But somebody that's insecure all the time in a relationship. I know a lot of times when women have been insecure about me, it's because I actually was doing stuff. Like it just hadn't come to the surface. And a lot of times when I've been cheated on and I felt that weird, you know, thing, can't even put my finger on it. I was right. And so because subconsciously you're picking up cues that your mind maybe doesn't even want to accept. Yes. And but the thing about it is you can lie to your mind and you can rationalize rationalize it out. You can't do that with your gut. Like, you know, when you have friends around you, I'm also playing spades because Wondering Woman, I went to her house the other night with my wife and I got tore up. So I'm trying to get better. So I'm I'm whooping that ass. Uh, gut instinct, gut instinct, and woman's intuition. I believe that everybody has that intuition. I think women just hone in on it more, like they pay more attention to it. Guys, we have it. It's our hunter gatherer type deal. Um, it's in us, and it's kind of beaten out of us. You know, you're kind of told to ignore it, but it is there. It does exist. Uh, what I was about to say with toxic friends, you know that they're using you. Like you figure that shit out really quick in your heart, in your head. You know it. But the thing about it is um, you don't want to admit it to yourself because a lot of times you're just lonely and you just want to, um, you almost, I was telling Todd about the other day, I remember I was so lonely at one point, I was almost willing to pay for a company by like having drinks and other things around just so people would hang out with me. Maybe not consciously, but it was, at least people were coming around. Wondering woman, what's going on? Good morning, good morning. You know, I just couldn't keep sitting here listening and not jump in. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> uh, this good is my morning, yeah. wondering woman. Wondering woman. So what do you got to say good about morning. this Good morning. Good uh, morning. No, you just said something about the paying for company. Yeah. And I was married for 17 years. And mm-hmm. after that debacle, I found out that he had paid for company during the marriage. And... You know what I mean. Oh, wait, 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 we're talking about two different things. I was just talking about, like, being lonely and shit. But I guess it's a different type of lonely. 
now, like the alcohol and everything at a party. You're talking about no, like, no, okay. I'm not. Okay, okay there's children around, so I'm. I have children. I know. Okay, look, okay, so I can trying to like be this. circumspect. Did he have a? Did he? Have, was he paying for a prostitute? Mm-hmm. Sure did. You said, okay. See, I was just yes, talking he- about being lonely and paying for people to be around. Like, oh, okay, like the life of the party. I misunderstood. I mean, <laughs> no, no. I mean that's interesting in itself. Um, yeah, because you know you know my ex, so <laughs> yeah. But you know, I could see, I could even see how people could do that, um, especially if you're really lonely. Sometimes any company is better than well company. That's a different type of loneliness. Um, you kind of threw me for a I don't even know what to say. What's cheating. that? Well, the cheating is not. Yeah, you know, that shouldn't be. But people do it who are single and that kind of thing too. You know, they're. No, yeah. Well, but he. Yeah, no and so that was the. So that was how it came out was because after we divorced, he moved into an apartment and mm-hmm. my daughter was living with him for a, a time period. And he had uh, his cell phone was connected to his tablet somehow. Mm-hmm. And so he was at work one day and the tablet kept going off. And mm-hmm. my daughter has little kids and the babies were trying to sleep. So she picked up the tablet trying to turn the sound off because it was going to wake the kids up. And when she picked it up and pushed the button to turn it on, all these messages popped up. And it was between him and a lady who was uh, providing that service. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to pay for just to cuddle her. Mm. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, good. like, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I could think of that a man would pay a prostitute. To only cuddle, that's a, that's a deep sense of loneliness that I think somebody would have. That sucks. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to change the topic. I, I misunderstood when you said that well, you initially. Did. You did. It's too late now. Um, have y'all ever heard of this show called Soft White Underbelly? I've just been really getting into it. Anybody ever heard of it? Um, so Mm-mm. basically, what the show is about, man, it's just about people that are in the sword type of life. Car thieves, hookers, pimps, prostitutes, and they just go into like how these people got that way and the things that happen along. And they're real. And what's so interesting about it is how candid the people are. Like they're so, they don't hold anything back. They don't gloss over it. And one that I saw recently, it was really, it was really sad to watch. I can't think of it. It's this young black girl. She can't be more than, um, 14, 15, and she just tells these horrible stories about the abuse that she went through at her different foster homes, like just terrorizing moments where her foster dad would be running around the house chasing her to rape her, and she would just uh-uh. she would just tell the story. What was so sad is you saw the dead affect in her eyes. She was just like telling mm. the stories as if she was just checking the mailbox. Well, the scary part is as she progressed with the story and told more, you also see how she t- kind of turned into a predator herself, saying that she was having problems with her anger issues and lashing out at people. And it's just sad to see how the evolution of one hurt person can hurt somebody else. Yeah. Right. Which is always the the result. Back on yeah. the, to- the topic of the toxic friends, you being mm-hmm. toxic to someone else results them in being toxic to others and on and on and on. Absolutely. Because most people that are toxic friends, that root comes from somewhere. And usually it's, it is a place of hurt and rejection. Um, 
sometime in their early years. And it just it just happens. They don't know how to deal with it. And that's just how they manifest it on you. I don't know who's talking in the thing, but oh it's ten. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's just how it manifests. But the only thing that I really, really know about toxic friends and how to deal with them is main boundaries. Put boundaries up. Um and don't let people step on them. Like you decide what you're willing to and not willing to accept. And if somebody's your true friend, if you bring that up, they'll res- they should respect you enough to back up. Um, so you really have to know what you're willing to deal with. And if it's somebody that's been in your life for quite some time and you don't feel like you can't, you can't get away from them. Maybe they're a family member, kid, mom, dad, whatever. You can still limit your interactions with them. You only have to give as much as you want. You don't have to have this person in your house every weekend. You don't have to call them if you don't want to. Like, there's no manual that says you have to call a family member that you're not getting along with. What are you looking for? It's just you don't have to do it. And don't let anybody tell you different because people will say, oh, you have to, you have to. But they ain't been talking to their cousin in 20 years. Just do what you want. Absolutely. Cultivate that better over time. I think I have better friends now than I did when I was young. Oh, yeah. Better at selecting people to be friends with. So, this is a topic of debate that me and my wife had. Um, We're talking about arranged marriages, right? And I told her that I think I could pick better friends and I could pick a better husband for my daughter than she could for herself. And my wife was like, you're crazy. That's not true. I said, well, let me ask you this. How long, if if there's a little boy or a little girl that wanted to date, we'll say a 16-year-old, wanted to date your son or daughter, how long could this kid pull the wool over your eyes? It, w- it wouldn't take you, but fucking 15 minutes to spot the kid out. He'd be like, man, you ain't shit. Beat it. While if you think about when you were young, it might take your son or daughter a year, two years to figure it out. And they might even have a kid with that person. And I'm not saying that I have, my daughter's going to have an arranged marriage. So before anybody goes running with that narrative, but I can say that I can see the logic behind it because kids are stupid. Well, as a, as a, um, you know, independent and, you know, very liberal women's lib kind of person, um, the, the idea of it makes me cringe, mm-hmm. but you and I both know a guy um, who is from Pakistan and mm-hmm. he moved, he came to the U S uh, I think as a very young child and mm-hmm. lived over here most of his life. Or, I'm sorry. No, he didn't. He came as, as a young adult um, mm-hmm. and he married an American woman. He was, he was Muslim at the time, um, but he wasn't very observant. And mm-hmm. so he married an American woman and was together with her for, I, I don't know, like three, four, five years, not too long by marriage standards. And she cheated on him. He had a horrible relationship. He ended up getting divorced. He became much more devout in his faith. He went home and spent some time with his parents in Pakistan. And he agreed to an arranged marriage. And so 
he came back to the U.S. because he worked here. And his parents set out to find him a wife. And so uh, at the time he was, you know, going through this process and he was telling me about it, you know, and of course I'm very curious. I'm asking questions because I thought this was like the most ridiculous thing in the world. And so his parents would email him pictures of the women and like descriptions of them and their family and why they would make a good match. And so okay. he would like weed out, like if there were some of them that he was just like, nah, 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 you know. And so he got um, some a certain level of veto rights in it. Um, and then when he had narrowed it down to like three or four of them, he went back to Pakistan for like a month and he met each of them. Um, and then he, you know, made his decision in, and he ended up marrying one of these ladies and he, um, when he went back to marry her, I want to say he stayed over there for two months that time. They got mm-hmm. married, um, you know, like set up house or whatever they did. I think uh, that the that the woman moved in with his parents. Um, and so that when he went over there, that way he wasn't like, you know, supporting two households completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the first like three years that they were married, she was in Pakistan and he was here and he would go back over there and stay for like two months at a time. She got pregnant and they had a baby. Um, and then at some point after the first child was born, he was able to get a visa and bring them over here. Um, it's now almost 20 years later. They're still married. They have two very beautiful daughters and like he's completely happy. One interesting thing to note though, is that in that time, um, he went from when he was, when he was much younger, he was Muslim, but he was not observant. Then he went to very devout Muslim because I remember they actually had made a prayer closet in our office for him and a couple of the other guys to use during the day. Um, and now he is a complete atheist and Mm. is, is at odds with his father. Uh, wow. He, he is completely at odds with his father. His father is very upset by his atheism, um, but he's a very scientific kind of guy. And mm-hmm. But he, he did this arranged marriage, and he has told me um, more than once over the years that it was the best decision that he ever made was letting his parents steer that process. Now you want, now you and, want to hear something funny about everything you just said? What's that? People would people would trust Tinder more than they would trust parents. Oh out. yeah, because absolutely. Because well, and here's the... no, if you think about it, essentially the process that you just said is online mm-hmm. dating, except your parents are in charge of it. And while that may right. sound cringe, think about who think about the other people that that don't have your best interest at heart, family or friends, right? And will set, set you up on a blind date. This is actually sound like a way better deal because at least your parents won't give you some crazy crackhead hoe or some shit like that. Right. Your, your parents really give you a decent woman or a decent guy. Right. In theory, in theory, at least they have your bare, your best interest at heart. The one thing that did kind of give me pause about that though, is I wonder how much veto power, you know, cause like I said, he got to like kind of pick and choose amongst the candidates, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I wonder how much veto power the woman had in that process, you know, mm, like know. Yeah, if, know. you know, how much option did she, did she have? But, you know, know. And, and they're, they're very Americanized. Like I'm friends with him on Facebook and, uh, you know, he's always posting pictures of his wife and his daughters and, mm. you know, by all 
by all appearances, they're super happy and in love. Um, mm-hmm. But I, that just, that was really fascinating to me that, that it, that it worked, that he was happy with it, that she seems to be happy with it. Um, you know, because I, I can't imagine letting somebody tell me who I would and wouldn't date, see, let alone what, marry. And, but that's so weird that we're so oppositional to it that we would think that it has no chance of working. When we think about the ways that we we have met people and meet people. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to letting your parents guide that process who've been on the planet we'll say at that point, 30 to 40 years or 20 years longer than you, you would prefer a couple of different options. One, your Mm -hmm. friends. You would prefer the internet and whatever algorithm it works or a place where drunken people meet. But for some Mm -hmm. reason, the thought about your mom or your dad picking this person for you crawls your skin, anybody's skin. And I don't know why. Well, I think think a... I think a small part of it has to do with the fact that despite, yes, despite the (laughs) fact that we understand biology, we always think of our parents as asexual beings Mm -hmm. and we cannot, we cannot muddy those waters. Well, some people can't. My mother called me the other day to inform that she broke her vibrator and needed another one, but most normal people. Yeah, they usually steer away. Why'd you cut me? My partner just cut me. Most normal people generally steer away from those conversations. But once again, but the people that we let hook us up, man, I've been hooked up. I remember this one chick that I went on a blind date with. I met her at Chacho's and my friend told me that she was fat, but she left out like how fat? And she got out the car and the whole side of the vehicle went down. Like, shh. <laughs> Uh-uh. I that that's not yeah. good. That's not good. No, it was uh... very disturbing. So I went to a very dark, dark bar. Dark, dark bar. And just gave him a drink. So I was still a nice guy. Uh, yeah, man. It was, it was uh, super disturbing. Yeah. Man, I think I may have to check out. All right, man. I'll hit you up later. Appreciate you jumping on, bro. Yeah, no, this Take was care. fun, man. I'd, I'd happily do it again. This was a good time. Oh, yeah, anytime. I'll send you the link when I'm live if you want to hop in. Yeah, right on, right on. It was nice meeting you guys and talking with you. All right, man. Nice to meet you, man. Thanks for coming. All right, no problem, no problem. I'll do it again. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, man. Right Right on, everybody. (laughs) All right, man, I'll see you later. Oh, man. But um, let's see, we're about almost two hours in, an hour 56. And I haven't really lost any steam. Because, um, well, which do you think is worse? I mean, I know the answer. Which do you think it would drag you down more? A toxic friendship or a toxic relationship? Relationship. Toxic relationship. Ah, yeah. A toxic relationship can just drag you. And it can drag you all over the place. I don't think it's possible to focus when you're knee-deep in one. I don't think you can make any real forward progress in your life. Man, when I was in, when I was knee deep in mine, I would go to work in the morning. I, I, I like, and I am not a morning person. I would get up by six o'clock and out the door and I would stay at work and I'd work all day and I would be fine, great, wonderful. And I would stay at work as long as I could to avoid coming home. Um, and, and I would only come home when I had to because of, you know, stuff with the kids and, even though I may have had the best day ever at the office, when I got in that car, 
I got mm-hmm. this knot in the pit of my stomach. Mm-hmm. And all the way home, all the way home, knowing that I was just going to walk into this, it, it's like, you know, an over, what's that cartoon? Um, is it Linus or whoever in Snoopy that has the little cloud that always hangs over his head? Yeah. That's how I felt. I think it's it was like once I got in the car, um, once I got in the car to come home, it was like that cloud came over me and it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew all the way home. By the time I came through the door, I was just in this really down, nasty place. And the really sad thing about that is when you're in that headspace, it, it affects the way that you interact with people who aren't the cause of it, most particularly for me in this case was my kids. And mm-hmm. so I would come in and I, by the time I would get here, that all that negative energy and, you know, then the kids are all like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And you're just like, mm, no, I, I don't, I can't deal with you, mm-hmm. you know? And that and the, sucks. Well, cause you know why the reason for that is you've used all your mental reserve up on this situation. Because even when you're not in it, even when you're at work and away from it, you're still actively thinking about it. And when you um, when you visualize something negative for too long, you feel it in your body. So you'll sit there and you'll replay maybe the argument that you just had with this person or some dumb shit that they did or what y'all could possibly be arguing about when you get home. And you're sitting there thinking about all this shit all the time because you don't get a real break from it. And it's not until that you're completely devoid of that situation and you've walked away, you're like, oh, fuck. This was taking up so much of my bandwidth, man. Like, I can't even, I couldn't, I I wonder why I couldn't focus when this person was around and in my life. Even to a point, light bright was cracking. Even to a point where you start to think, how was I able to function at all with this? What did I like about this? Like what was it? What was good about? It's usually a, I'm gonna get something to eat, but I'll let y'all answer that. Okay, well, I got. I have to jump in on this because I was. I have a really, really good friend. She is a brilliant attorney. Okay, and she was just a little background. She was. Uh, she's an attorney. She is general counsel for a huge organization, um, and she married a Greek shipping tycoon. No shit. And they had three kids, and for whatever reason, um, like, and they had money. Like, he owns ships, right? Lots of money. And for whatever reason, he thought she was having an affair. Um, she was not, but he, you know, got it in his head that she wasn't. So he filed for divorce. So they they have been divorced for like twelve years, maybe, and. She met this guy for a long time. She was just raising the kids and doing her thing. And she finally decided to get back out in the dating pool. And she met this guy um, on an app, not Tinder, but on an app. Um, And he was everything that, you know, she was attracted to. He was funny. He was smart. He has great conversation. He has a really nice body. Uh, He's educated. He owns his own business. He was like, you know, perfect package for her. And... She really, really, really liked him and come to find out, um, and, and this has been going on for like three years now, and I have been her friend through this entire process. She calls me like three times a week to talk about it. And when I say mm-hmm. the girl is like, has been obsessed with him, and so she'll find out that he has lied to her about something else, 
and they'll, they'll break up and then they'll get back together and, you know, this whole cycle and stuff. And recently she found out that his ex-girlfriend that he dated for five years, that his mother wanted him to marry, um, got herself into a financial situation. She rented a townhouse and then because of COVID lost her job. And so, um, he had, she had had bad credit before that. And so the guy had agreed to help her out and he had put the lease in his name. So when she lost her job and can no longer pay for the townhouse, she called him and is like, Hey, I don't want to mess up your credit, but I don't know what to do. I've lost my job. I can't pay for this rent anymore. And so he made the decision to move in with his ex-girlfriend and her daughter and pay the rent until she could find another job. And my friend found out about it and was just absolutely livid because, you know, they were dating. Um, and, and of course, he tried to play it off like, oh, we're just platonic. I'm just helping her. I'm protecting my own credit rating and that kind of stuff. Um, but she finally had enough. Like, that was the straw. And you would think, you know, there should have been straws before that. Um, but that was her breaking point, And she cut it off. And so it's been like three weeks now, and she has called me like every day in the last three weeks to talk about it. And the other day she called, and she said, you know, I finally slept last night. She admitted to me that for the entire three years that she has been in this relationship with him, she had been taking NyQuil to sleep. Because every time she thought that they were in a good place, she would find out about some new lie that he had told her. And when he finally pushed it to the point where she just couldn't take it anymore and she broke it off, she said, I slept. I didn't have any NyQuil. Like, it's this sense of relief that I stepped back and I said, what the hell was I thinking? Why was I putting up with this? She would stay, if she didn't take NyQuil, she would stay up at night and obsess over where he was, what he was doing, who yep, he was with. Yep. It ate her up. Yeah. And now, and, and the reason that I tell this is because she is a smart, educated, capable, beautiful woman. But this guy just got under her skin. And you can't ever put yourself in a position to say uh, or, to, or to judge somebody and say, I would never, I would never be there. I would never be that person. That could never happen to me because you never know. And the sense of relief that she has now is amazing. And I'm so happy that she, but you know what? The other part about it was she actually lost a friendship over this guy because her friend, yes, her, uh, another of our friends, um, knew what a piece of shit this guy was. And every time that she would bring him up, this other friend would say, he's an idiot. You're an idiot for talking to him. I can't believe it. If you're going to keep seeing him, I can't be your friend. Um, you know, why are you so stupid? So on and so forth. Now, the difference is that my, my relationship with this girl, 
um, when she told me the stuff, maybe I thought those things in my head, but I know I've been that person before. Mm-hmm. I've done stupid shit behind a guy. Mm-hmm. I have, I have let a guy treat me like shit and kept going back for more and kept going back for more. And I'm no Why dummy either. Why do you think either. that is? Why do you think you do that? <sighs> oh, for me? Oh, mm-hmm. I, the reason I have done it is, um, uh, it's very Freudian. Uh, you know, issues, re- relationship issues. I have very, very, very negative relationship with my father. Um, uh, it, it, you talk about toxic relationships. My father was toxic. Is seventy-two years old, and for at least fifty-two of those, he has been a toxic asshole. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, I had all of that baggage. Um, which led me to make some really, really poor choices as an as a young adult, and those decisions led me down a path where I was physically, mentally, and emotionally abused um, by a person who was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and was financially and emotionally unable to get out of that relationship for quite a period of time and so that traumatic experience which was like my first real adult relationship then informed every decision that I made after that because my self-worth my self-esteem my confidence in my decision making were all in the toilet and so um, you know it's kind of that snowball effect you start off with and it's one bad decision and then it just, you know, it, it multiplies exponentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it all comes from a place of, um, excuse me, of desperation a lot of times. And it's like, Oh, absolutely. You're fighting and you're fighting and following a ghost, like trying to win the approval of somebody it's just very strange how all those things are interconnected because it, once you come within yourself that you're okay with being alone, it's so uh-huh. funny what happens. You start getting better relationships because you're, you're not pouring energy into shitty relationships anymore. And something about you being positive keeps negative people away. And the inverse is true as well. Um, you can attract negative people. There's a, a African quote that I just read that said something to the effect of when the lamb cries, the fox is the first one to come, but not always to help. So when you're yeah. in pain and you're like in a bad emotional place, anybody can see when somebody's in a bad emotional pace, place. Mm-hmm. They have that look. They're not talking. Their shoulders are slumped. They're not kept. You can just tell everybody can tell and there are people that will come to your i'm using quotation marks to your aid but they're really trying to do something for themselves and they'll take advantage of the fact that you're weak because like i don't know if you've ever noticed it i've ever noticed it when i'm mentally feeling strong and capable and tough nobody fucks with me like the wish i would situations never happen but when i'm feeling emotional and vulnerable and weak it's like the whole world tries to test me like to where I don't even want to go outside. And it's just so funny how people can pick up on that. And humans are animals. 
and they will attack if they sense that you're weak. And I'm not saying that showing your vulnerabilities um, makes you weak. It does not. Just know that when you are vulnerable, some people will attack you at that moment of perceived weakness. Why they do it, I don't know. It's really fucked up, but it's true. And it's okay to be vulnerable. Don't get what I'm saying. Just know that there's a price that comes with that, depending on who you you're know. vulnerable with. And But it's okay you to, if you understand be, the price. No, fuck you that. If you, you want to be vulnerable around anybody, you have that choice. But just know that there's a cost. Like, you can cry in front of somebody, and the cost might be that they're a shitty person, and they'll go tell a billion people. But the thing about it is, I won't even put that on people. Be vulnerable about who you want to be vulnerable around. Just know the reality of it is a cost comes with that. And once I realize, it gives you more freedom. Because if you say something to the effect of, well, don't show your emotional side to anybody, that doesn't work either. You put those feelings in a box and storm away and they just sit there and breathe. They have to come out in some form or fashion, especially negative emotions. Um, hiding them and storing them away, it it does something toxic to the body. It's like when you drink alcohol and you want to throw up, but you don't throw up and the toxins just sit in there. If you don't expunge those like bad memories or poor decisions that you made and let them like actually go, they'll twist and warp your body and they'll make you seek out ways to get rid of that pain, like through alcohol or you just try to find a a way to hide it as opposed to really just dealing with it. First, first law of thermodynamics is um, that energy cannot be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, that negative energy that you have that builds up, um, that's, mm-hmm. that has been transferred, um, it's going to manifest one way or another. You can't mm-hmm. destroy it. It will not go away. So you either have to deal with it the right way as soon as it manifests or deal with it, or it's going to manifest one way or another. And the longer you sit there and you don't address it, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. You know what I mean? It well, might you know, bite you a, at the wrong time. But that's another thing that we, I think we should get out of ourselves in our heads is that a right or a wrong way to manifest like the negative emotions that you're having. Now, obviously a negative way would be something like cutting or drinking excessively or, you know, stuff like that is wrong. But like, if you want to go into a little cocoon for a little bit and cry and just like wander around aimlessly or do whatever shit that you want to do that helps you cope. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it, man. Like, people will tell you what's... And I keep saying this, and I say this a lot. There's really nothing wrong with going to get therapy. And, like, finding somebody, a provider that you trust and talk to. It doesn't make you weak. It's it's totally good to sit down with somebody that doesn't really have any stake in the game and can just give you a different view of reality. Um, because a good therapist, fundamentally, they want what's best for you. And to some degree, like, because there's no... They don't know you. So unless they're just like a really sick, sadistic person, which I'm sure there are some, that'd be a really good TV show. Like a therapist who gives people fucked up advice on purpose and follows them around just to see how it turns out. 
I don't know if that'd be a comedy show or like, you know what? It could take a really dark turn. Like he tells somebody to kill somebody and the person does it. And when he has it recorded that the therapist told him to kill people. That would be the climax of this show. You think so? It what would it be called? The climax of the show. Um, I don't know, but I do know, I do know that you know it. It's a dark comedy all up until that point, and then it turns into a then suspense. It gets, then it gets, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Because then, because you know what? Okay, here's here's the, here's the thing. So whenever he gets a patient and he like starts realizing that he has an influence on him, ultimately the last piece of advice that he gives them is to kill somebody that they love, right? And we'll say that there's six people that he suspects did it. And he has to figure out which one of these six people killed this person. Nah, that'd be too easy with Facebook. That, that would be like one episode. Well, I mean, it, uh, it, all, it all depends on uh, writing. And, of course, for other, other characters that are involved. He doesn't even necessarily have to um, give them advice to kill, kill them. It could mm-hmm. be something a lot, a lot, a little bit more minor, like say you know hurt them or um, right. kind of. It doesn't even have to be that person specifically. It could be someone in their family just to get back at them or something. You know what I mean? Mm. And you know he kind of sort of just suggests it and laughs it off, you know, because you know this is, we're still in dark comedy mode. Then all of a sudden Man. he does it and he's like, oh shit! You know he does something worse than. He suggested, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit! And then it turns into this big thing, and um, you know, I guess oh. you can say it's par- partially a who done it in a sense, or I don't know, you know what I mean? It could, yeah, I, it, it could either be the climate, the climax, or the uh, or the denou, the denouement, the you know, the, the the downturn towards the resolution of the story. But yeah, um, that's just the way I look. And um, wondering, woman, you might have missed it. We were just talking about earlier how you know that fucked up people will give you fucked up advice because we've we've all had a moment where you just got out of a really bad relationship and then somebody might come and so you see people that are in relationships and you envy them and you like cuss them out in your mind and think they ain't that happy. And then but you have at least enough self awareness to know that if somebody came and asked you for relationship advice, you'd probably tell them that you're not the right person to get it from. I guess she's not there. I don't know what she's doing. But I think I might hang it up, y'all. I got to make some some smoked turkey wings with garlic yeah, I got to start moving around, and plus, it's eating, plus it is football day. Um, but before I get off the line, what should the next topic be? We touched on toxic friends. I don't know. It'll probably just be me talking some more about some shit. Um, there's there's plenty of things that you know are going on in the air, and I'm pretty yeah. sure we can figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. something out. All right, man, I'm about to get up out this bitch. I'll let you next time, All man. Right. Deuce to the roof, everyone. Deuce.